the Word and Story for May 13th, 2018. It's also Mother's Day. Let's look at the text this week from Luke chapter 24. So it's Ascension Sunday in 2018, and um, the text for Ascension Sunday um, comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 53. And um, this is a fascinating passage because there's really very little about Ascension in the text, just a a, a brief verse or two. and, and and really, it is, uh, there's so much more in it. Uh, and so I want to talk about um, the so much more and also uh, look at the, the ascension aspect of it and the implications of it, uh, because really only about half the verses deal with the ascension. The, the focus of the, the passage really is on Jesus' role as a fulfillment of the law and the prophets and the Psalms and the Scripture in light of Jesus being the fulfillment of that and the, the missional call that he embarks uh, or asks the, the disciples to embark on through all that. Um, this is, for Luke, his last words, uh, Jesus' last words uh, in Luke. And so that's very meaningful. That, that means something. And what, what really is fascinating to me about the first five books of the New Testament is that every one of them, uh, if you consider Mark, kind of strip out some of the disputed passages in Mark, every one of them ends with a call to be on mission. Uh, and so uh, years ago when uh, when I had moved to a, a new location as pastor, um, my first sermon series uh, looked at um, the first five books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and how every one of them uh Talked about or had a missional call, and I, I titled titled the uh, uh, the sermon series "Famous Last Words" because it, it really is in in a very emotional. Knowing that these are the last uh, times you'll see someone or interact with someone, uh, someone leaves, someone passes away, you remember those words, you remember the last moments intimately. And uh, they make a huge impression on you because uh, there's this emotional connection to them, to, to their departure or your departure from them. And um, so this was a, a, a very special time in the disciples' lives. They are uh, learning uh, some, some deep truths. And so in the course of this text, the focus... It, while the ascension is 
there, the focus of this text is on something much deeper. Um, in fact, he in this passage, he, he does depart the disciples, but he almost does it kind of nonchalantly, uh, and the story really doesn't break a flow. Uh, the disciples seem at ease with what happened. They simply worshiped, rejoiced, and then went back waiting on their new mission. Um, and this, you know, this passage really is kind of a transitional moment from from for Luke from the resurrection to uh, the the second volume of Luke, which we know is Acts, where you know we we see the disciples um, in the upper room waiting on the the Holy Spirit to come, and and so that's this text is that that transition from from uh, for the for the end of Luke to the first of Acts, uh, from the resurrection to the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But it's, you know, there's a, it's also a, a passage of, uh, or a, a transition time, a period of time where there's fear, there's trembling, there's uncertainty, there's chaos, there's a wandering, uh, what's, or wondering, um, you know, when and how and, and, uh, where and, to whom uh, would the Spirit come, and, and all the implications of the things that they're about to engage in, and um, and so that this is a very transitional passage, and so I kind of want to I want to look at it um, in the context of of two sections, and the the first section being Jesus's. Um, Last teaching, and then the second section being his ascension, and uh, this this passage is is ripe with um, with good theology and and ripe with with uh, some really good stuff. Uh, so so Jesus uh, in his last words to them in Luke. He says, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened his mind, their minds, to, to understand the scripture. And he said to them, thus it's written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I'm sending you, sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. That's that first section of teaching, um, and so what we have, what we have here is is Jesus proclaiming that He's the fulfillment um, of the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. In, in other words, the totality of the of the Old Testament, and he, what he tries to to help them see is that everything that I, I talk to you, Jesus would say, everything I've talked about with you, everything that I've taught you in those three years uh, that I was with you before my before my crucifixion, um, you know, I, we tried to I tried to share with you that, that that really I am the fulfillment of all of this. And then he begins to open up the scriptures 
and begin to and, and to show them. And and what he really does here is he reframes scripture and he reframes their understanding of scripture in light of the totality of their experience with Jesus. Now that means from the moment he he encountered them and their call to the res, to the crucifixion and then the post-resurrection uh, experiences, those 40 days of post-resurrection experience. And so he begins to reframe their understanding of Scripture. This, this phrase, um, he opened their minds, is, um, is this the same, same root word that is used when, when it talks about the, the disciples on the Emmaus Road. Their minds were opened Jesus opened them. It's a it's a passive verb. Uh, so Jesus is the one who opened, helped them understand what he was saying to them. And so they reframed scripture based on the experience, the fullness of the experience that they had with with him. And that really, when we look at when we look at the scripture. We begin to to have that same kind of I call it relational theology. We have that that same understanding of scripture. We begin to see scripture in different ways based our on our the fullness of our experience with Jesus on, on the fullness of our relationship with with Jesus. As, as we move through life, and we see that, we move through life, things begin to see, we begin to see things differently in light of our experience and our relationship with Jesus. And that's what, what the disciples experienced. That's what the disciples went through. They had this, this understanding, um, limited as it was, but once uh, Jesus was crucified, and resurrected and began to, to intersect their lives again for those 40 days, they begin to see Scripture differently in light of that, the fullness of that, of that experience with Jesus. And so, so Scripture gets reframed. And I, I think it's fascinating uh, that that happens, and it happens in our lives uh, all the time when we, when we look at at a text, we see it in a new light based on those things that have happened in our lives. Um, and then, so, so Jesus moves uh, and he begins to instruct them about what, uh, that, that everything that he had been talking about, everything, the law and the prophets and the Psalms, the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, that he is the fulfillment of all that and that all of that pointed to the fact that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. The, and, and so they begin to see scripture in light of that. And so Psalms, all these passages that they had known were reframed into a suffering Messiah and a resurrected Messiah. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins needed to be proclaimed, but it, it's not just proclaimed to the Jews but to all nations. And Isaiah speaks so often to that, that the nations would be coming 
the nations would be coming to to God, that the the nations would be coming to to the holy hill. The nations would would be focused on Jerusalem. That there is this movement from the nations to God, and that the way that happens is the proclamation. Jesus in this text, the way that happens is the proclamation um, of His name to the nations. And so Jesus moves from uh, from uh, from this this fulfillment uh, concept and in this relational theological framework that he, he moves from that to this co-missioning, not commissioning, but a, a co-missioning that there is a, a partnership. Uh, there's a commissioning of the disciples by Jesus as he sends them to the nations. As this scripture is reframed and as they begin to understand that that they are to go to the nations, that they are to proclaim his name to the nations, there is a co-missioning by Jesus to the disciples so that they can, and he taught them that that idea that it that salvation was not for the Jews it was for all people and so he he ties his suffering and his resurrection to the proclamation of his name to all nations and he says you're the witnesses of these things you're the witnesses of everything that has happened the the, the witness of the fulfillment of all of scripture and you are to be my witnesses and that's the that's the 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 going aspect in Luke. Um, Matthew had go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Luke's great commission. What we find in the at the end of of his book. And then he, he ties something else in, into all of this. He says, and see, I'm sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. Now we know from Luke chapter 1 that that is the coming of the Holy Spirit. We know it from Luke 4, I mean John 14 in the upper room discourse. That's the come, Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the, the Holy Spirit, the, the Paraclete, to come and and be with you. And and so from that that framework, he is letting them know that that he is, he is leaving. And the Spirit is coming. And so within this whole reframing of Scripture, this relational reframing. Uh, if you want to use, if I want to use that phrase, um, Jesus opens up the text of the Old Testament and he shows them how he had to suffer and he had to, and that he would be resurrected. That forgiveness and and repentance were to be proclaimed to all people, all nations, and all nations would come to him as they were witnesses of of that. And that 
the Spirit would be coming. The Father had promised to send the Spirit. The Spirit would be coming. And so they had to go and wait. They had to go and wait. And so, and that's the end of that that first section of the text. And so Ascension Day from Luke's text is not so much about the, the physical act of ascension or even about the reuniting of the incarnate word with with Jesus, that, that reconnection there. It's really concerned with making space so that the mission of the church can begin. Because as long as Jesus was in the form, in the world in human form, all eyes and hearts would be focused on him. And so Jesus is Ascension makes space for the disciples to turn their gaze outward where the repentance and forgiveness could be proclaimed, beginning from Jerusalem. Now, the Pentecost is still 10 days away. And so for there to be space for the Spirit to inspire the witness and to launch the church Jesus had to leave the stage Rowan Williams who used to be the Archbishop of Canterbury said that uh, speaking of the Trinity he said each of these three divine persons seeks not to gain pride of place or to assert hierarchical dominion over the others, but to give place to the others so they too can most fully be what they are. So Jesus had to leave so the Spirit could come, so the disciples' focus wouldn't be on a a physical God incarnate but upon the nations who needed to hear the message of repentance and forgiveness and then they had to wait and that, that time frame between Ascension and Pentecost or the coming of the Holy Spirit is really a time of maintaining faith when, when Jesus is not present with us, when the Spirit, when it doesn't seem like the, there's someone there with us. It's about holding on to, the, to that faith. It's believing in what we can't see. And so, so this text for the lectionary this week reminds us that that we need to we need to have a relational reading of the text in relationship with Jesus letting the absolute word the absolute truth teach us 
in relationship with him, we know the truth that no phrase is a, a phrase of intimacy, a, f- a phrase of union, a, a verb that indicates the most intimate kind of relationship two people can have. It is not an intellectual statement. It is a relational statement. And so we have this relational knowing And then we have the empowering of the Spirit so that we not only, so that, so that as we know Jesus, as we are in that deep relationship with Him, then our hearts can be turned in compassion to the nations. And even if there is not the physical presence of Jesus in our, in our midst... And even though it doesn't look like Jesus is working, we need to wait until this. We need to wait on the Spirit, because this, the Father will send the Spirit. The Spirit will come. That's His role, and that's His His activity in our life is to is to help us know. Jesus to, to connect, to, to help make that relational connection, help us see where God is working in the world and, and help us, even if we don't see, to know that, to hang on to the faith. And so, so we have this first part of the text that is, is all about uh, reframing the scripture, it's all about um, focusing our refocusing our, our our eyes on the nations and waiting on the Spirit to come. And then, kind of a oh, by the way, Jesus took them out to Bethany. He lifts up his hands. He's blessed them. That's the commissioning, the commissioning of their. Lives and while he was blessing them, he was carried up to heaven, or carried to heaven. The scripture says that they just worshipped, returned to Jerusalem, and hung out in the temple. Now, uh, one other thought on this text. Um, you know, uh, for, for several centuries and many uh, Christian traditions, there's this idea of, um, they, they saw Christ the image of Christ was more of a, of a kingship and a patriarchal kinds of models with, with, Authority becoming mostly authoritarian, but but reframing Jesus, reframing the to see Jesus in this light, and particularly in light of Luke four and Jesus's mission there about blind people seeing and justice going out, and and uh, and and it's it's more relational. It's not not just uh, I've come to die 
so that you can go to heaven. And it's, my mission has come that the blind can see and the deaf can hear and and dead people will be raised and and uh, injustice will roll down. And so there is this connection between Jesus and those uh, who are broken. Jesus and those who are oppressed, who are victims of violence, who are lower on the socioeconomic scale. And, and really for, for us, for us as Christians, I think, and, and for the world to see, we need, we need a Jesus that is not ascended out of history. There is a need for a descending spirit that makes credible Jesus' promises in the rule and the reign of God, in God's justice. And that's what we can be. We can, we are, in fact, that's what we are, is the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. And so we go loving people just like he did. We go telling the message of love, forgiveness, and repentance just like he did. We go touching the sick and the lame and the broken and the hurting and the abused and loving on them just like he did. We go challenging the authority structures, the the injustices. We challenge that just like he did. And all of that, empowered by the Spirit, is part of the kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It makes credible Jesus' promises. The body of Christ, the church, the church on mission, makes credible the promises that Jesus made while he was here on earth. And so the, the, the text in Luke gives us this space. It gives us space for the church to be formed and molded and built, focusing on forgiveness and repentance and love directed toward the nations, empowered by the Spirit, who was sent from the Father. And when the body does that, they make the message of Jesus very real and credible in our culture and in our world. I like you, I like the message of Jesus, but I don't necessarily like the people who speak the message. But... That really, that, that's a shame. If we can love and forgive and teach that and talk about repentance and forgiveness and touch people's lives, then Jesus becomes very real to them. And when he becomes very real to them, they get to, to, 
to move into that um, relational engagement with Jesus through the Spirit, having their lives transformed and having their world transformed. And so uh, I hope you can take that. I hope you can... It can speak to you. I hope if you're preaching this, this text, that this may have helped you. And uh, I hope that you are blessed by it. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a blessed week. And I hope Jesus is very real in your life.